Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott's Got A Podcast. On today's programme, I interviewed award-winning journalist Dr James Mahan. We spoke about how he got involved in the media, working in America for three years, reporting on domestic terrorist attacks, almost facing deportation from the country, struggling to find work after returning home as employers thought he had too much international experience and completing a PhD in three years. All this and more. Enjoy the show. So James, it's a pleasure to finally have you on the Scott Squad podcast. You're making your debut. I, I, have I come off the bench? I don't know. Am I starting? <laughs> so I, James, we'll just dive right into it, right? Because obviously this is about your career in journalism. So at what age did you realise, right, I want to become a journalist? Ooh, 20. 20, okay. I would say. I didn't, I didn't want to be a journalist. I didn't want to go into media at all. I am... Um, played a lot of football in secondary school. I played for two clubs. Um, I, I did athletics. I did debating, public speaking. But I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't have any interest in, in media. I, the first opportunity or exposure I got was when I had a science project that I was part of. Went to, the, uh, went to a national event in, in Dublin and we got a lot of media coverage. I did the morning show circuit as, as a guest. And from that, I got the opportunity to present a kids' news bulletin and a weather report for kids' weather at like 16, 17 years of age. And even then, when I had a film crew and I, I spent a day with the national broadcaster and because I still didn't really think I'm going to study this or do this. I went and did a degree in English and classical history and a diploma in Gaelic. And when I was in university, started university in Freshers Week, my housemate at the time wanted to get into radio. He wasn't, that, that was his thing. And he needed someone to do the morning show with him in a local radio station. And I was running a nightclub at the time and I was going to be up anyway all through the night when I was finishing my shift. So I said I'd stay on. We did the morning show three hours and uh, it was really successful. Um, and as we were doing that for years, uh, we weren't getting paid or anything like it was it was great fun. And uh, I started doing reality TV shows off that dating shows. I always got picked last. Um, they were always in Gaelic um, and but that paid well. And I, I got to be on TV and I saw I guess I, I liked how things were done, but I couldn't, I didn't know how to do them. Like I didn't know how to edit or shoot or produce radio or do anything with TV. And I wanted to learn how to do that as the years went on. And around 20 years of age, I decided I'd apply to do a master's in journalism. Um, and at that point I was doing some of the reality TV shows. I was doing the radio shows and I was also uh, blogging for the Newcastle United uh, FC supporters blog, which had just started because it's 11, 12 years ago. Um, and at Sheffield University, I applied to 12 or 10 or 12 universities and nearly all of them would give me an offer. Glasgow Strathclyde was one, Edinburgh Napier was another. Um, and Sheffield were the be- was the best journalism uh, university in the UK and one of the best in the world, it still is. So when they made an offer, I was always going there. Even though I had no idea where it was, I didn't know how to get there at all. I ended up flying into Manchester and got a bus. Uh, I didn't even know there was a train that took you there, so I wasn't very prepared. <laughs> so obviously you ended up going to America how did that move come about? I was dating a, a, a woman who was Swedish-American and she was um, working in, she was doing like um, teaching, teaching English as a foreign language in Europe and we met and she went back to Philadelphia where she was from and she got accepted into medical school in Tennessee and I had a US national or social security number from having worked in New York previously and I said, I'll, I'll, I'll come over. There were no jobs. There was no opportunities. I applied to loads of jobs in the UK. I didn't get interviews. I was the youngest in my class. 
everyone else was way older than me, had way more experience. Even when I was in Sheffield, I was presenting a drive time radio show. I was writing for a newspaper and getting paid. I was doing marketing promotion for, for bars and nightclubs on social media in the early stages. And I got, I still, still didn't get any opportunity. And I thought in America, being young is, is seen as a great thing. While where I was in Ireland and the UK, it was seen as a, as a hindrance. So when I went to America, I followed her over and I worked as a nightclub DJ for three months in Tennessee. And uh, I didn't have a driver's license, so I had to cycle, cycle into the, the nightclub in the evening, do my DJ set. And then uh, we had a lot of dancers in the club and they would usually drink and sometimes they would take drugs. So I would um, drive their BMW SUVs home with my bicycle in the back seat. <laughs> but so obviously see, uh, you were there for about three years, right? Um, yeah. And you actually reported on a domestic terrorist attack. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I applied to loads of TV stations and, and one in 90 minutes away from me gave me an opportunity um, to, to uh, report straight away at 22 years of age on TV in half a million homes every day. So I, I went live on like the 1st of January in 20, 2012. Um, and I was on there for three years and we did a lot of stuff. And domestic terrorist attack was a massive thing. Um, we had a, a young a Muslim guy um, got angry, got radicalized online and um, got guns and just shot a load of soldiers and barracks and was on a high-speed chase. And um, it was one of about five major terrorist attacks we had in the US all close to each other where I was based all in about two to three months. Others were in Nashville. Um, there was a white supremacist guy who shot a church full of black people in Virginia. I think it was, I could be wrong there. There was just loads of this stuff going on all kind of at the same time, Black Lives Matter was appearing at the same time Donald Trump appeared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so see, so basically just going back a bit though, what was actually the first major scoop that you got when you got involved in the media? Hmm. Say going when I was a student in, in England, um I I was writing for the Chesterfield Post newspaper and um I discovered that an older train station that was abandoned, that uh, uh, cargo trains just went through, no passengers, was becoming a suicide hotspot. And I was 21 at the time and I found that quite like eye-opening. Like that was the first thing that I really ever thought, wow, this is I can help like make people aware that this is something that that is real and that is around us and that maybe we more support should be given to folks um in that area in that part of, of the uk and in america i was every day was was insane that's similar to describe it three years of insanity like it was it was bonkers i don't even christ i don't know like at one point we were there was a guy on the run for trafficking children across three states and my intern at the time was a social media star. Um, her name is Sarah Hopkins. She had like 8 billion views on Vine and she's millions on YouTube. And one of the girls that he had taken with him, kind of hostage, um, was one of her followers. So she messaged him and we had a direct communication to the victim of, of a kidnapping. And there was US federal marshals involved. There was the FBI. Um, and I remember sitting in a like 23 years of age, sitting in a, an abandoned apartment with my intern and a camera crew and two phones on loudspeaker. And our phones were being tapped by, by US intelligence services to track where the vic where these young girls were being trafficked. And we got them. Oh, geez. Oh, uh, so we, spoke, yeah. 
we broke we broke the story and we and we got those girls back and I never heard anything since. Oh really? Um, oh, no, um, which is probably a good thing. You never know witness protection. I don't know, but like there was a few things like that that kind of like that you're young, you're 21, 22, 23 years, but you don't think about these things. They just you just do it, and then and then you look back and you go, Jesus, that was that was something that like is something out of a, an episode of Homeland or something. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it must be like must be like really eye-opening for you, like being that age, like 21, 22 years of age. And I think did you have to realize at that at moment, like right, I need to actually grow up quickly now here, you know? Because you, most people 21, 22, like they're still a bit daft, quite immature. But obviously you must have like been mature for your age at that young as well. I suppose on TV I was. Let's put it like that. <laughs> um I played in a Sunday league. Uh, as well and we we partied a lot we won a lot of leagues a lot of cups we won back-to-back uh championships so there was a lot of um going out on monday nights and celebrating and going out on sundays after games and celebrating um a lot of, a lot of that and that was yeah. i suppose kind of juxtaposition to being this serious very the very maybe more mature presenting person on, on yeah. screen uh, and then I, I got to do fun stuff like it wasn't all like that I, I got to launch three seasons of a tv show called through Irish eyes where we traveled across the deep south that did redneck stuff rodeos and barbecuing and did soapbox derby races so all that kind of thing was fun and that I suppose that allowed me to see that there was a fun side to to being in media too and to get maybe my personality across which which I wasn't able to do mm-hmm. and obviously you mentioned there through Irish eyes that's your book that you've actually got out. So t- tell me about that. Is that just basically like your experience in America in those three years? It's about turning 25, actually, and kind of looking back on your life. And um, I, 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 uh, I done, I, I, I had kind of gone, I'd overachieved in some ways very young, not like a, a sports star, not like someone like a, you know, like a, like uh, like that, but I I had I'd broken I'd broken through in America as the first Irish guy in US TV news, um, and I, I had success, and I was meant to move to the next stage, and all that changed, um, in 2015 when my father got cancer, and when he got cancer, I I had an offer to go to a big TV station in North Carolina and double this my salary and double my viewers. I would have had over a million people, and I turned it down, and I ended up on the dole in Ireland, um, living in my parents' house. Um, I sold my car, broke up with my relationship and was like on job seekers in, in, in the West coast of Ireland, back in my old bedroom that I had lived in for like eight years. And when I was there, I did, I, I got a little bit of work from Ireland's radio broadcasters and I did one or two shows a week and then played football for my old team that I was with when I was a teenager. And uh, a lot of people said that you've lived quite a lot in the last few years. You should write these things down. I wrote them down and then, a structure just came and then I approached book publishers and then a publisher came and I wrote the whole thing when I was on the dole and also um, when I came to UWS the first few months I came here um, and I was published in July 2016 which is six years ago and we were, we were really look, lucky it sold we sold copies all around the world I think at the time a lot of people had emigrated a lot of people a lot of people had been had been where I had been they'd been far from home um, and there's going to be more coming out of COVID-19 so it was a story that could resonate people. And also people didn't really know the stories behind the stories that I was doing. Um, so that, so that, 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 that was something I'm, I, I, I'm glad I did it. 
looking back if you i don't i've never really i don't think i've really ever read it but the bits i do read i wish i had maybe written differently but you can't change these things like um and the person i am a person i was at 25 the person i am now at 31 is, is is a very different person um but the last six years of my life while i've been very interesting haven't weren't as interesting as the first 25 years yeah and like did you not actually correct me if i'm wrong but did you not actually get deported from america because your visa expired no, but I was, I could have been, I was, um, what had happened was the, there was a, a, a political war between the Republicans, the Democrats, and they shut down the US government. Um, and when they shut it down, they shut down all the departments and they shut down uh, Homeland Security. So there was no one to process my visa. And when my visa was just stuck in limbo, no one in the offices, the government was shut down. And when it was in that situation, I couldn't work. And when my work visa was suspended, so was my driver's license. So I couldn't even, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. Um, and I had applied for a green card and I was eligible for a, a US green card. I'd been approved for one, but I, I, I couldn't stay there. Eventually the government shutdown ended and I was reactivated and, and I was cleared for it. I've never actually picked that green card up um, ever. It, I, I think it might be in London, um, but it's probably gone now. <laughs> yeah, but you see... Um... Also, as well, I wanted to ask you this, James, right? This is one thing I've, I've, like, I was really confused at, right? See, with your experience and all the stuff that you've done in America, right? When you obviously you said that after America, you came back and you were on the dole. Like, how is no, how did no one, like, pick you up with your experience at that, like, you being that young as well? A lot of people um, thought it was very interesting, but they didn't want to take a risk. They felt that my experience was too international. I wasn't... Really? I, I, yeah, that's the, the spell people said, oh, you've got too much international experience. You've got too much experience. You've been in the White House. You've done all these things. And we prefer if you just done a few local flooding stories and worked in a local radio station for the last three or four years. And it was very much that like it was this kind of strange scenario where there was a lot of intrigue. Everyone, everyone wanted to meet me and chat to me and take me out for coffees. But no one wanted to hire me. Yeah, um, like, I don't understand that at all. That's like, that boggles my mind. <laughs> like with all your experience, you know, like would have thought like someone would want to pick up on your experience and your strengths and what you can bring to the table. You know, there, there, there was there was interest from one commercial radio station in Dublin, um, and I would have gone there. And it was between them. There was two radio stations. There was one local radio station that were going to pay a nominal amount of money, not much, and one a national radio station. And then at the same time, there was a short contract at UWS for a few months, six months, three days a week. And my green card was processing at that point. And I thought, well, I'll just wait till that processes and then I'll go after the six months. So I, I took something that was maybe rather than committing to a permanent position in Ireland on lower money, I, I took the leap to come over here for a few months. And then, well, that's six years ago. Yeah, and obviously, James, you're a doctor, so you are. You, you've done a PhD. So what did you actually do your PhD on and talk me through how stressful that experience was? I think um, I didn't know what it was. I, I, I didn't want to do a PhD to begin with. I'm not a, an academic person. I, I, I didn't do, I didn't have great grades in secondary school. I played mostly football and had a good time in, in university. I wasn't a great student by any means. I was right down the middle. I got a, I got a 2-1. Um, and I didn't get a great two one, but I got a two one. And um, to do a PhD was something that actually suited people like me more because I wasn't good at exams and tests, but I was good at taking control of my own journey. And a PhD, you're on your own. Um, 
and I knew what I what I was reasonably good at, which was shooting and editing content. And I kind of knew what I wanted to explore, which was my the stuff I had done in my career to date. But I wanted to see that on a bigger scale. And I wanted to see that in places I had never, never dreamed of going. So I went to India. I went to Switzerland. I was in America. I was with STV here. I made a documentary um, about journalism and mobile journalism. Our technology was changing journalism. And then I wrote a 50,000 word dissertation to accompany that. But I was really determined to get it out and done. I had six years to do it. I did it in three because I was very um, aware that if it had dragged on through the COVID pandemic, that technology in the world we live in would have changed. And I actually really wanted to get back into a newsroom uh, as quickly as possible. So I, I wrapped it up and passed June of last year and it's changed my life. It, it, it changes you. It changes who you are as a person. And I think that's kind of cheesy and corny and cringy and stuff. People say that all the time, but it does. If you're, um, if you have to think about who you are and what you've done and the way you do it, and it changes who you are. It also makes you question a lot of things that you never questioned before. And I'm not like a deep thinker or that kind of thing. And that was really kind of a shock to me. Uh, I, I used to dream about it. I would dream and I would like dream of like page 84, paragraph three, this kind of thing. And I did so many mock oral exams to before I defended it. I did like, I took complete ownership and control of the, of the whole doctoral journey. Um, with my supervisory team and I really pushed and pushed and pushed because I wanted this, I wanted this um, and I wanted this chapter to end. And the day, the day um, I passed my exam, um, my oral exam, which was three hours, the same day I resigned as the course leader for journalism um, went from being a full-time lecturer to a part-time lecture and um, went back on television. So I did a, I, the, the thing is coming three, but I, I, I had to say, this was a chapter of my life, a big, big chapter, but I was going to end. And with it, with another chapter was going to start. Yeah. And I just want to ask you this one as well. Um, obviously, you're a very confident guy, James. Obviously, yeah, you're on the telly reporting. But have you always been this confident or is it like take time for you to like get used to it, you know? No, I was I was actually quite shy and reserved for, I suppose, um, most of my childhood, I was I was quite shy. Maybe about twelve or thirteen in secondary school, and then I I still wasn't like very social. Like I had very close. I've eight best friends since I was twelve. Like we're, we have a, our WhatsApp group chat. We're very close, and I was very vocal on the football field. I played right mid, central mid. I was very vocal in the in those places, but not vocal other places. Um, and I think maybe surrounding yourself with people who give, build confidence in you and build belief in you helps you in turn, then you can see when you have that in you, you can share that to other people and then you can build them up and then everyone is in a better place. And, and, and that's kind of what, where I went. I, I wasn't a, a natural public speaker. I was supported into that. I wasn't a naturally confident person. I was supported into that um, mostly by, by having really good friends and they're still my friends today. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just finish up here, James. I'll just ask you uh, two or three more questions, but um. What would your advice be for up and coming journalists like myself? Oh God, I would say, um, I would say not be afraid to go away in order to come home. I think um, I went away, I went very far away. Um, I went to New York, I went to Tennessee, I went 4,000 miles away. Before that, I went to England from Ireland. So I went from Ireland to England, from England to America, from America to Scotland. From Scotland to Northern Ireland last summer to now come back to ITV border. Um, sometimes you've got to go a circuitous route, the road less traveled. But I would say if you go away, sometimes when you come back, 
you're more appreciated. I wasn't for many years, but I am now. Just took time. Um, so I would say don't be afraid to go away. You'll learn a lot about yourself and you'll learn a lot about how to tell stories and you'll learn a lot from other people. And that makes you a far more interesting and, and appealing candidate for jobs. Yeah, very well said, James. Very well said. But so obviously, I wanted to, uh, one last thing in America, right? So do you do you see yourself going back there in the future? Yes, if possible. Yeah, I feel I have unfinished business. Um, I left for family reasons. I was on a trajectory. I was going to go to a major TV market. From there, I would have done two or three more years, and then I would have gone on to national, hopefully, to NBC or CNN or something like that. So I do feel that there is unfinished business there. I have the authorization to work there which most people don't i speak spanish which a lot of people don't a lot of americans do um and i have a career on both sides of the atlantic ocean which i feel would make me more compelling i'm also older now i think i'd do things a little bit differently but yeah if it's possible <coughs> excuse me i would go back i would do a year or two um in a major news market in a major city and and do the things i didn't get to do before that maybe things i, I felt i missed out on and then i would close that chapter i would walk away um, or if I could do the equivalent thing in, in Europe, I would do that with a major TV network in Europe just to, I, I'm not done yet. Um, I've enjoyed the last year being involved in TV again, on a more sustained basis with Russia, Russia today, UTV and ITV in Northern Ireland, now ITV border. Um, the aim is to return to higher education as a lecturer full time again, um, at the end of the summer, but, um, and do that for for a while um but but the aim is it is to go back and to go back out on a high to go back out as as high as i can um market wise news market wise and 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 to walk away from the sector altogether at at, at a higher point than i've ever been so we could uh, so i think uh, a lot of people could be expecting another bit in the future then <laughs> they, they might um I am I'm writing a book at the moment, but it's not about journalism or media. It's a fictional book about a serial killer. So um, I, I've only written a bit of that and then I've taken a step back, but I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 nothing to do with me, nothing to do with journalism. But yeah, there, there, there will be other books in the future. I think you don't have to publish something. You don't have to get it. Um, you don't people, other people don't have to read it, but it is very helpful to you. It makes you gives your helps your brain process stuff. Yeah, absolutely, James. But yeah, the future is looking very bright for yourself. And uh, thank you very much for coming on, James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.